for the Athletic Podcast Network. I'm Kate Scott. This is the update. On today's show... Well, after coming up two wins short of making the Stanley Cup final in 2019, the Sharks entered this season expecting to compete for another chance to lift the cup. Instead, San Jose fired coach Pete DeBoer in December amidst that disappointing start, promoted assistant Bob Bugner to take over on an interim basis, and proceeded to win some games they should have and lose some others until the season was suspended indefinitely on Thursday, March 12th. So, with help from Sharks beat writer Kevin Kurz, we dive into how the club did in their three months under the boogeyman, what improved, what did not, and what it all means for Team Teal and their interim head coach moving forward. It's Monday, April 6th. Well, Kevin, last we chatted, Pete DeBoer had just been shown the door. Assistant Bob Bugner was promoted to interim head coach. So let's start by just speaking generally, and then we'll get into the details. Big picture. How did the Sharks perform following that change? Record-wise, they didn't get any better. But, you know, I think we all realized pretty quickly after the change that the problem wasn't the coach. The problem was the construction of the roster. Uh, there were just too many holes that no matter who the coach was, this wasn't going to be a playoff team. I think that's fair to say. And, you know, Bob came in and he had his assistant coaches, Roy Sommer, Mike Ricci, Evgeny Nabokov. You know, the Sharks didn't bring anybody in from the outside and Bob had never worked with any of these guys in a coaching role before. So I think there was originally some adjustment. You know, Bob didn't just have to get used to taking over as a head coach. He also had to get used to his other assistant coaches too. And, and that was, I think, a little bit of a process. And, you know, then when they did start getting things maybe pointed in the right direction a little bit is when all the injuries happened. So, it is tough to really evaluate Bob's performance. And, you know, he even admitted it to me when I spoke with him last week is that he thinks it's tough to evaluate himself too, just because of the circumstances and, and then all the injuries to the key players that started happening in January. So, you know, in terms of what he did well, he stabilized the goaltending. He gave Aaron Dell a shot. Dell thrived. And then, you know, even when the league shut down a couple of weeks ago, Martin Jones was starting to play better. So, you know, he gave Jones that time off to work with again getting to back off. That was the team's biggest problem here going back to the start of the 2018-19 season is the goaltending. So that was, you know, at least trending the right way. The scoring chances, the high high danger scoring chances, you know, the team had cut down on those a little bit too. That helped the goaltenders. But at the end of the day, this team just never had enough offense. And that was particularly the case after guys like Logan Couture, Thomas Hurdle, Eric Carlson started getting hurt. So we'll see where it goes. But you know, Bob did some good things, I think. You know, if I'm sitting in Doug Wilson's chair, I give it a lot of thought and some consideration uh, as to whether to bring Bob back. I think uh, you can certainly make the case that he did enough good things to get another shot, in my opinion, anyway. You know, Kevin, the word culture is thrown around all the time in sports. And I, I remember it was definitely one of the things that you and I discussed when the change was made back in December. As you said, three-ish months really isn't enough time to change something. But what shifts, if any, did you see in the dressing room when it came to culture? Bob even said that when I spoke to him last week, is that when he stepped in, the room wasn't as cohesive as it could have been and certainly wasn't as much as it was in the past. And I think that was one of the Sharks' biggest errors in the offseason is they didn't realize the impact of removing Joe Pavelski from the dressing room that it would have. And it's not just Joe Pavelski. You go through a long list. There are a lot of guys that are just well-liked, respected guys in the dressing room that have since moved on. You go back to Joel Ward and, and Paul Martin in 2017, Justin Braun, Brendan Dillon obviously got traded. You know, Patrick Marlowe uh, obviously uh, ended up leaving. But, you know, there's just a whole bunch of really, I think, 
good guys and, and respected guys and guys that did their jobs that have moved on in recent years. And that's affected the culture, no doubt about it. And, and you bring in some big personalities like Evander Kane, like Eric Carlson, things are going to be a little bit different. Logan Couture obviously transitioning into the captain role. So that was certainly an issue, I think, especially early in the season. I don't think this team took losses hard enough. I don't think they were all on the same page in terms of, you know, as Bob said, they just weren't his exact quote is, I don't think the room was as cohesive as it could have been. And that's something that I really tried to concentrate on in the second half. So, you know, it reached the low point, I think, right after Christmas when the team blew a two-goal lead in the third period to the LA Kings. And, you know, they spoke about having a meeting the next morning where I think the phrase they used was, we called some guys on the carpet. So I'm sure it was quite a a loud meeting that morning. Mm -hmm. You know, they ended up playing probably their best game of the season. They beat the Flyers 6-1. to So, you know, it wasn't obviously all smooth sailing after that, but I think that, you know, after reaching that low point, they all realized they had to take a look in the mirror. And, you know, NHL teams, there's so much parity in the league that a lot of times it comes down to just playing hard enough for that guy that's next to you. And that wasn't happening uh, early enough in the season. It seemed, though, as you mentioned, that things were, even if the record didn't reflect it, starting to trend in the right direction before the shutdown a couple of weeks ago. So when it comes time, as you mentioned before, for Doug Wilson to decide whether he's going to remove the interim tag from Bob's business card or remove him altogether, what are some of the other factors that are going to come into play concerning that decision? Well, the biggest factor is just the number of established, successful head coaches in the NHL that are without jobs right now. Peter Laviolette was let go in Nashville. Gerard Gallant was let go in Vegas. Mike Babcock in Toronto, just, just to name a few. So I think if you're Doug, you at least have to do your due diligence and reach out to one or maybe all of those guys and gauge where they might be in terms of wanting to work again and whether, you know, they would see San Jose as a fit. Now, you know, if I am one of those coaches, I also have to look at the Sharks and ask myself, is this where I would want to be? Do I see a path to success here? I think that's the one factor that maybe some people don't recognize enough is that you know, the Sharks right now are, are a team that I think from the outside, a lot of people look at them and see an aging roster. They see goaltending that's not ideal. You know, they see guys that, again, like maybe have some questionable reputations as teammates, whether that's warranted or not. So, you know, if you're a coach, do you do you think that, that the Sharks could quickly rebound and, and compete for a playoff spot? And, and that's certainly Doug Wilson's plan. And I think we have to see, wait and see what they do in the offseason. I think they're going to have to find another goalie. Uh, I would think it's going to be Martin Jones and someone else. Um, they're going to have to add some role players at some point. And, you know, they're also going to have to make sure everybody comes back healthy. So that's really the biggest factor here is whether Doug wants to try and add one of those big name coaches on the outside. But, you know, at the same time, the Sharks have never been big on bringing people in from outside of the organization. And Bob has been here before and, Bob knows all these players, and I think that's the biggest thing that he'll have going for him is that, you know, he did do a few good things here, and and all the guys know him, and, you know, we'll see how it works out. But it's just so hard to predict right now. Yeah, no doubt. So let's talk about that offseason, Kevin. Whether it's Bob or or somebody else behind the Sharks bench, what players that are going to be available in free agency do you see as potential fits for San Jose? Yeah, it's tough to name names right now in terms of free agents. They're going to need some forwards for sure. But, you know, what, what they're going to have to do first and foremost is they're probably going to have to lose one of their big salaries. And that's much easier said than done. And I think the two names that seem to come up most often are Brent Burns and Mark Edward Vlasic. You know, Vlasic has a full no movement clause. Brent Burns has a very limited no trade clause. There's certainly no reason to believe that Burns wants to go anywhere. But, 
you know, he's making $8 million next season and for a few seasons beyond. And, and the Sharks obviously have Eric Carlson locked up for, you know, seven more seasons as the highest paid defenseman in the NHL right now. So, you know, that's the first thing I think Doug's going to have to do is how do you find, how do you move one of those big salaries? I reported earlier this year that Mark Edward Vlasic would have been willing to, to go back to Montreal. Maybe he's also willing to go to Toronto, another Canadian market that's a little bit close by. I don't know if that's changed or if those teams would even want them at this point. So Burns seems to be the one that everybody thinks, well, if Doug's going to clear up salary cap space, it's going to have to be Burns. Again, I don't know how he does that with a three-team limited no-trade clause. So, you know, we don't know where the salary cap is going to be just because that still has to get worked out with all the hockey-related revenue, and obviously they're not making any money right now with the league shutdown. But at the end of the day, you know, they're going to be looking for some role players, particularly at forward. I don't think they're going to be in the mix for any of the big names, but you know, to me, I, you would look at this like they're probably going to approach it like they did in 2015 when they signed guys like Joel Ward and Paul Martin. Best guys, respected guys, good guys in the dressing room that, that can also play. Do you think we see the resumption of this season, Kevin? I'm leaning towards no. I, I think that this could be it for the NHL and the NBA this season. What about you? Yeah, yeah. I certainly don't think the Sharks are going to play another game this season because even if the league returned, you know, the Sharks are last place in the Western Conference. I don't think they'd be part of any sort of a playoff situation. So, mm-hmm. you know, maybe the plan of doing some sort of a playoff in, in August and September and then taking October off and restarting in November, you know, maybe that's something that comes to fruition depending on how this thing goes. You know, there's a lot of pushback if I just read the comments online about that plan. I think it would be awesome. I think you know, people will forget about what time of year it is after one or two games and suddenly realize that the teams are playing for the Stanley Cup right now. We'll see if that happens. Obviously, uh, just for the benefit of society, I think we can all hope that happens. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but again, I, I, yeah, I think the Sharks are done just because of the fact that, that they were so low on the standings. I don't see them being part of any sort of a resumption of the season. I think their next game is going to be the season opener, whenever that might be. Yeah, and maybe that's best for all involved. Kevin, stay healthy. Appreciate the time today. Thanks for stopping by. Thanks, Kate. All right, good stuff from Kevin there. And since he and I chatted, aforementioned Sharks GM Doug Wilson echoed what Kevin said about his interim head coach, saying, quote, Does Bob know our group and have the upper hand in this process? Absolutely. While our results for the year aren't where we needed them or wanted to be, I was pleased with how some of the overall play improved. I thought we played with a team identity and structure more so in the second half of the year, and Boogie and his staff deserve a lot of credit. But Wilson made sure to add, I think you have to be thorough in this process. On the injury front, Wilson says Thomas Hurdle, who tore the ACL and MCL in his left knee back on January 29th, is well ahead of schedule. And Wilson says he has no doubt his 2020 All-Star is going to be ready whenever next season begins. Said the same goes for Eric Carlson and that injured thumb. And finally, the Sharks agreed to standard three-year entry-level deals with Arizona State defenseman Brinson Pashnuk and Hobie Baker Award finalist John Leonard. Leonard, the former roommate of Sharks' current defenseman Mario Ferraro, led the NC2A 27 goals in 33 games this season, while taking UMass all the way to the NC2A championship where they fell to Minnesota Duluth. Pashnuk, meanwhile, just completed his second season as captain of the Sun Devils. The lefty shot the first and only player in ASU program history to reach the 100 career point milestone. For those of you looking to go even more in-depth on Pashnook Leonard and all things Sharks, just click the link in the description notes of today's podcast. Coming up later this week here on The Update, longtime Bay Area writer Joan Ryan stops by the pond to 
help us get into why we are all missing sports so darn much right now and uh, examining the role of tribalism in that emotion as well. And on our next show, we'll get into a crazy star-studded trade between the Giants and Yankees that, thankfully for all you kids out there who, like me, grew up loving Will the Thrill, never happened. Columnist Grant Brisby joins us to discuss. Until then, as always, if you're enjoying the pod, we'd love for you to give us the old five-star rating, review, subscribe, do all those things that help keep us going here at the Athletic Podcast Network. For all of us here at The Update, I'm Kate Scott. Thanks for tuning in. Stay home, stay safe, stay healthy. We look forward to talking to you all again on Wednesday.